Hello and welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Awaza. Awaza is well known for their line of outdoor pond and water garden products and are now stepping into the indoor aquatics market. Their lineup includes products like the internal BioPlus filters and external Biomaster canister filters. Both lines of filtration offer models with heater integration to help you declutter your tank and show off your plants and fish. Awaza also has a great selection of aquariums in their BioOrb line. Their BioOrb Cube Aquarium actually won the award for best aquarium product at the SuperZoo trade show. So check out these great products and more by clicking on the links in the show notes. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Friday, June 7th, 2019. My guest today is Priscilla Mueller. Priscilla is an amazing artist and the owner of Priscilla MK Art. Priscilla has also taken on a role in the hobby as the store manager of Exotic Aquatics in Boulder, Colorado. And on top of it all, she's trilingual. So Priscilla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, no, absolutely. Thank you for taking time. I know it's uh, it's closing time now for the store, so you put in a full shift at your uh, at Exotic Aquatics, and now you're going to jump on and have a, uh, have a fish nerd conversation with me for 45 minutes. So thank you very much, Priscilla. Yeah, and after that, I will drive home. <laughs> and, and take care of your family. Right. So it's definitely a full day. Um, so Priscilla, this episode, I have to apologize because it has been a long time in the making. Uh, when you and I first talked about, you know, having you on the podcast and me commissioning you to do what turned out to be an absolutely awesome piece of artwork. So sorry that it took so long, but we're finally here. That's okay. We're both busy, so <laughs> yeah, life, work, kids, all that, all that stuff happens. But um, yeah, I, re- I reached out to you after seeing um, several people that have YouTube channels. They had this really, really cool artwork in the background, and um, I had asked. I, I think in one of the live streams, I had asked, "Oh, who does that?" And somebody said Priscilla MK Art. And then on another one, uh, kind of the same thing got brought up. Oh yeah, that that piece in the background behind this, you know, this person that's also from Priscilla. It's like, oh man, like who who is Priscilla MK Art? And she's an amazing artist, and I want to talk to her because she produces some fantastic stuff. Um, and graciously, when I reached out to you, you were totally cool, and I basically gave you this direction of, you know, hey, I, I'd like to commission you, which you do take commissions, and I'm not sure. Um, how many commissions you're taking recently because you are so busy taking on the uh, responsibilities of store manager um, at Exotic Aquatics. Um, but you took on this commission for me a while ago, and I basically said, hey, take my Aquarius podcast logo, which is just a very simple speech bubble with a discus silhouette on the inside, and bring it to life. And you did. And you did such an amazing job of, of putting this, you know, lifelike, absolutely gorgeous red, like a snake skinny. I'm not up on my discus lingo, um, like a snake skinny kind of um, discus in there with some Anubias, some some driftwood. Like it looks really, really awesome. Um, I'll have some links in the show notes. I'll try to I'll try to get it so people can actually see it. Um, if you look at the Aquarius Podcast logo on Facebook, um, that is actually incorporated into that logo, so you can get you can actually see it there. And maybe I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, but Priscilla, because of all that and and just the amazing quality of artwork that you do, regardless of the commission, um, I've been wanting to have you on just to to give you the opportunity to talk about yourself, learn more about you, um, and really you know let people learn about you and just promote what you do because it's such fantastic artwork well that was a pretty fun project or your logo that was pretty fun because normally i don't do custom art anymore just because i have a full-time job and everything but every once in a while when somebody has like a crazy idea i will go for it if i can make the time for it of course so that was a fun 
fun piece of art to do for sure. And I filmed it too. I just haven't edited the video yet. <laughs> oh, nice. This is like, when, when did we do this? We started talking and I think you, you sent it to me like, has it been six or nine months now? Maybe even a little bit more? Yeah, that was like last year before the aquatic experience. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, things pile up and life happens and um, yeah, you got to, so hopefully you can find some time and do your editing because I'd really, I would love to watch that video, share it with people uh, and maybe, maybe that drums up a little bit of demand where people might want some prints and you can throw some prints on your website, which, hey, that'd be cool. Right, yeah, I'm looking into um, trying to find a website that actually will like Teespring, just print my prints and ship them out so I don't have to do it, but I haven't really sourced the right page yet. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. I mean, that definitely would take um, a couple steps out of that operation and make make it life a little bit easier for you. Yeah, because shipping the prints, I mean, all of my prints are printed by Chadron Aquatics, and he usually sends them to me, and then I have to cut them to size and then ship them out, and that's a lot of work. Oh, wow, that's a whole process. I didn't know that somebody else was actually involved in the in the printing like that. Yeah, no, Chadron pretty much prints everything i think for everybody in the community oh that's crazy oh well that's cool no shout out to him and uh you know doing that for people yeah he owns a print shop in texas oh very cool so maybe we'll maybe we'll give him a little a little link love in the show notes for this too if people want to check out his business and, yeah, and get so some stuff printed up stickers. That is stickers or anything, he'll it, be your man. It, it's so funny that now, like, all the pieces are connecting because he's like printing out all these cards for the the fish tube and whatnot for these Aquashella and Aquatic Experience events. And it now all makes complete sense because he owns a print shop. Yes. And it's not just like a, a hobbyist with a really nice printer. Yeah. And he also has a YouTube channel and all that, even his wife does too now. So. Oh, goodness, good times. All right, well, enough about other pe uh, people, Priscilla. Let's focus on you now. So what are your what are your beginnings in the hobby? Like, when did you first get into tropical fish keeping? Well, when I was a kid, maybe like 12, I got my first tank, and it was like a 10-gallon tank, and it was the classic three goldfish in a 10-gallon. Okay. And... Um, and as, a had him. and as a kid, you're leaving out one detail. Uh, where did you live when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. I was in Switzerland then because I was born in Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland. So, but then I became a teenager and I kind of wasn't really interested into the hobby anymore. And then in 2012, I moved to the States. And um, I remember... My husband and I went to PetSmart and they had this 75 gallon tank for like $300 or something. And I was like, I need this tank. <laughs> and I was like, it's the biggest tank I've ever seen. Like in America, everything is bigger, right? <laughs> so we bought that tank, brought it home. I filled it up. I mean, I did all the beginning mistakes everybody does. I bought a bunch of guppies and angelfish and mollies and platies and had them for about a year and then all my life bearers are just started dying off and I couldn't explain why so it was like I need to figure it out so I went onto the internet and I discovered the Facebook group Tank Talk when John Hudson was pretty active back then I mean that was like 2013 
Um, and then I saw actually Corey would answer, Corey from Aquarium Co-op, he would answer people's questions on Facebook with short little videos. So I subscribed to Corey and at that time I think he only had like 20,000 subscribers. And then from there I basically just got sucked in because I just wanted to find out how I, how I can keep my fish alive, basically. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that that's <laughs> that is a, a very good genesis for um, learning more and in you know getting more involved in this hobby is just you know you suffer some some unexplainable deaths. You feel like you're doing everything right, and you just need an answer. Like you need some closure, and it's not just closure, but you want to make sure it doesn't happen again, and that your your remaining uh, livestock or pets or however you view your fish that you know you provide them with um, a good environment. Um, so to to talk a little bit more about you know, 2012, 2013, um, the, the tank talk group you're saying it was on Facebook. And so, um, somebody would ask a question on that forum or, or in that group. And then, so like Corey would come in and actually leave a video response to that. Yeah, actually he would in the comment section, just leave a video response for like a minute. It was pretty fun. <laughs> is that, is that still a thing on Facebook? I feel like I don't, other than gifts, like I don't see any other, like animated responses, it, it just seems like it's either a text or a GIF. Can you still? No, he leave? was the only. He was the only one that was doing it like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would be. He's never mentioned that before. That that's uh, a practice that he used to do. But that sounds like um, obviously it was very effective to to get you to you know tune into his channel and watch him. Yeah, and he still had his old fish room back in his garage and all that stuff and. I think John Hudson, like KG Tropicals, had more subscribers than he did. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if I'm passionate about or if I have interest in something and I'm passionate about it, I'm a perfectionist. I try to suck up as, many, as much information as I can, basically. And that's just how it kind of developed with the whole hobby. Mm-hmm. And so when do you think, if we were to pivot and start talking about your artwork now and understand um, when did you start? Because I, I would assume that, you know, from a very young age, um, you were always doodling and you've always been, you've, you've been fairly gifted when it comes to producing artwork, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was a, or I am a single child, so I never had siblings. I mean, I had my cousin around a lot, but every time I would go somewhere with adults, I always would draw. I was drawing constantly. And then my uncle, he's a pretty good artist, but he does um, only pe black and white pencil drawings. And then he bought me, when I went to kindergarten, he bought me the really nice expensive pencils and like big sheets of paper. And that's when I actually tried to start drawing people's faces and all that stuff and then by the time I was in third grade people actually started asking me to commission or to paint their kids or relatives and whatnot and I would do that and then in my early 20s I did a lot of um, portraits and like pet portraits too yeah because your artwork is is really really stunning and I don't know if uh, photorealistic is the correct terminology to use but it is um, it, it's amazing like from a distance and I've actually got four of your prints um, very realistic prints hanging up in the back 
and from this distance, like they look like they're photos. Um, looks like they're cropped on a white background, but they look amazing. And so just your sheer talent that you have is just astounding. And it's funny that you say third grade is, is really when it kind of took off for you because I, I remember, and I hate sharing this about myself, um, but you know, I used to love to draw and I, I used, you know, doodles and whatnot as a kid drawing big old monster trucks and big wheels and silly stuff like that. And I feel like in, in kindergarten and first grade, second grade, like everybody kind of sucks. Like all the kids, all of their artwork kind of looks the same. But I remember this very defining moment in third grade when, you know, you, you make a new friend and you're sitting next to him in class. And this guy, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he had one of those yellow mechanical pencils. It's very, very vivid. Like clearly I, I remember this from third grade. It's the yellow mechanical pencil with the the cone, the conical tip that you actually turn and the, uh, and the lead goes in or out. And this guy, I remember he drew one of the aliens from the alien movies and it was it was like straight from the movie. It was incredible. And at that moment, I realized that I, w- I sucked at art. Like anything that I produced <laughs> was nothing on par with what this kid could do. And then from there, just like the disparity between what Randy could draw and what anybody else that had artistic talent could draw was just, you know, the, the gap was wider and wider every single year. And even now with my son, when I try and draw something with him, if I try to draw like a dog or a cat or something simple, like the, the, the image in my head just blanks and I can't, I can't recreate it. And then on top of that, the pencil, pen or crayon, like whatever the medium is, doesn't do what my brain wants to tell it to do. So that, that, that's a whole other can of worms, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I have such a fond, uh, such a fond appreciation for artwork. And, uh, the only other artist artist at least that we've talked about that I've had on the podcast is Sam scales. And I love his work and I have his artwork. Um, and now, you know, having, uh, seeing your artwork, having your artwork, knowing that I want to have you on and talk about it and just appreciate how cool and how great of an artist you are. Yeah. I like Sam's art. It's cool. I have actually a couple of his prints too. Have you know, but the thing is with artists, I say, I always say everybody can be an artist if they want to. It's always like the more time you put into it, the better you get. It's like mastering a skill. And then also the way people envision things, the way people look at things, like you got to pay attention to detail, which a lot of people don't. But if they would take the time and actually pay attention, they will get so much better at it. I think, I think reincarnation is going to have to be a thing in order for me to have enough time to become good at art. So I think I'm going to need at least three lifetimes of practice in order to even come close to something that you can do. I just, I just always done it. Like, I, I'm, I'm really detail oriented. Yeah, and, and it, a perfectionist. So. Yeah, and, and it's clear. It's really, really clear in your artwork. And um, I would have accepted something of far less quality than what you actually ended up producing for my commission, and I would have been happy with it. Um, and just kind of, the, you know, talking with you and asking for status updates, and, and not trying to bug you or anything, but knowing that you were taking your time and you know you were. Um, you know, really taking the commission seriously, far more seriously than I would have expected you to. But the the outcome of it is just astounding. And I'm looking at it right now off to my right. And it's such a cool piece of artwork. And I'm so, so happy that I actually can say that I have an original piece of artwork um, in my home, in my collection. So uh, definitely. Well, I'm glad you like it. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your... Um, on YouTube, you do your artsy live stream, and it's been a little bit since you've done one. Um, but can you talk about that? Like, what was the genesis for it, and um, how would they go? Well, I, 
I always like if I try to do a piece of art that's fish related, I always try to film it so I can make a time lapse video out of it. And one day I was like, well, I might as well turn my YouTube channel on and live stream at the same time, right? Like try to kill two birds with one stone. And people would just come and hang out while I would draw. And the thing is, people don't realize, because I'm a perfectionist, it takes a while to finish something. <laughs> so if I sit there for an hour and they watch me draw, there's not much happening, really. But it's it warm, it's more like for people just to hang out, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'll try to do it again if I find time for it on Sundays, but I don't know. Yeah, and I, it's just such a cool concept that, you know, you are producing this artwork, let people hang out, let people experience it. Um, you you know, you're absolutely right in that you're, somebody's not going to get instant gratification if they tune in and they watch this uh, because you do take your time and you are so detail-oriented, so they're really going to have to have that patience if they want to see the, the final end product. Um, and, and I really wonder, do you think Bob Ross, if he were alive today, would he do YouTube live streams like, you know, paint with me and have people in like a chat or something oh i would hope so <laughs> i feel like he would i feel like he, he would, would yeah. yeah and he, all of yeah. his paintings didn't he get them done in like a half hour wasn't that his thing oh yeah but he has like those paintbrush skills like only bob ross has <laughs> yeah no he's uh i mean i don't know if you ever tried to copy one of his paintings but it takes so much longer than what he does I, I know it's one of those things where even if I tried, I would frustrate I would frustrate myself because just the way that he can do those strokes with those scrape style brushes, like I know that it just would not like I would just not get that same effect. And um, I, I appreciate him from a well, not from afar, but I can just appreciate viewing and watching. And it's so funny, the cult following that he now has, like growing up as a kid, you see him and he didn't have that same kind of impact and following and appreciation that he does now, um, you know, later on. Oh, yeah, and it's super calm to listen to him. I mean, even if you don't try to copy him, just watch it and listen. Super relaxing. So. Mm -hmm. That being said, so when you typically are doing your artwork, um, what is your medium of choice? Um, I always do art on paper. Like I said before, um, when I was younger, I would just do pencil portraits, black and white portraits. And then I think I drew my first fish in 2014. And that's actually too when I started using color. And I never really had much practice in color before. So I started um, trying different things out, color pencils, um, watercolor and whatnot. And I think I just found my happy place with using watercolors first and then use color pencils afterwards to add the details to it and it's always on paper like i couldn't i mean i could try to paint with acrylic on a canvas but for me using a brush is not as precise as using a pencil mm -hmm. and that would just drive me crazy probably <laughs> No, and I, and I think that's that's just kind of one of the cool things about art, right, is that there's so many different approaches and so many different combinations um, for this end result of a completed piece of artwork, right? Like every artist takes their own path to produce art. Well, I mean, if you use a brush, you can be as precise as if you use a pencil, but because I used pencils my whole life, 
I'm just not skilled using a brush, <laughs> if that makes sense. I don't know. I bet with some practice, I don't know, from what I'm seeing, because it looks like you've got some some brushwork, right? Like this, uh, like the beta calendar cover art. Was that is that col- colored pencils, or did you do any brush with that? It's on watercolor. Okay. Where I use like watercolor pencils, and then I wet, make it wet with a brush, and basically push the color around. Oh. And then That's so cool. So then let's talk about the uh, the Bosmani rainbow fish print. Uh, well, not not so much print, but just the actual, the Bosmani rainbow, because that's one, you know, as I look at it, it looks like it has iridescence. Like, it looks like a photo of a Bosmani rainbow fish. Um, what? How did you paint, how did you do that one? There's actually, there's, there's a lot of color. I think I used at least, like, 10 different colors to make that. And there's, like, a lot of turquoise, blue, greens, blacks, purples. But, um... When I did that, it was actually a giveaway on Bob Steenfot's channel, and the winner wanted me to draw a Bosmani rainbow. And it's... Because otherwise, I probably would have never done that. But because it was the winner's choice, I drew that and made a print out of it, too. And it's been one of the more most popular prints I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to link to your store, and I'll make sure I have this specific print linked as well because it's I mean it's it's absolutely stunning like the 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 way that you captured iridescence and the super super vibrant orangish reddish um back body section of a Bosmani rainbow it, it's just absolutely stunning and is this is this only colored pencil or is this also with that kind of water trick as well it's um watercolor first and then color pencil which is kind of funny which is the reason why I don't do custom or don't do commissions anymore because when I did that, I told the winner, I'll do an 8 by 10 I'm going to put in 10 hours max, right? <laughs> and then he told me to draw that rainbow, and it ended up being like 25 hours. Wow, 25 hours. Just because there's so much different colors and shades and ranges, and like I said, I'm a perfectionist. I can't, I can't just do it for 10 hours and then be done with it if I know there's so much more to add. Wow. I mean, it is, I, I, I can't say enough about this particular print. Um, it's, it's so awesome. Um, and I actually, I think, I think my wife wanted to get me this one for Christmas, but your Etsy store was sold out. Oh. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think cause she, she ended up getting me a better one from another artist, which is still a really, really cool print. It's nothing like this Bose Money Rainbow that you did. Um, but that's how cool it was. Like it even caught my wife's eye just doing Google searches for fish art. So, um, really, really stunning. When, I'll send you one if I have. I still have some, I think. Oh, cool. I, I'm not going to complain. At the same time, though, um, hopefully a bunch of people rush to your website, and I hope that you have to send them all out because people are paying for them. So let's uh, let's hope that happens first. Uh, but thank you, Priscilla. No, you're super, super. See, clearly people, Priscilla is awesome and super generous. But nonetheless, go check out her site and buy her stuff. Um, when you're doing your artwork, are there ever any times where you're like, ah, crap, like, this this particular piece of artwork is going in a direction that I don't like. I can't save it. You have to start over, or are you always able to save with you know shading or or whatever it is? Well, to be honest, every single piece of art I've ever done, I don't like it. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds like a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's me being a perfectionist. That's why if you come to my house, you do not see one single of my prints or original art hanging up because I can't look at it for too long if that makes sense because then I'm gonna be like oh I should have done that better I should have done that better so at the end I do it 
And then if I feel like I'm at the point where I'm done, I'll just be like, okay, I'm done. I'll let it go. I scan it, get it printed, and that's it. But if I would wait and look at it the next day, I would still mess around with it. It's It never ends. So. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. So has there ever been anywhere, um, like halfway through, you just tear the paper in half and you start over? Well, usually with the sketching, if like I don't like the placement or whatnot, then I will start over again. But I, I never start over after I did all the color and stuff. Well, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand the, the process a little bit more because I feel like, again, if it were me, I would just have this mountain of crumpled up pieces of, of, of paperwork of just me um, not being able to use artistic ability um, to kind of cover up things that I feel like aren't, you know, sufficient or, or work, you know, pencils. And, and I'm sure, like you said, it's all practice, 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 practice. And especially when you're putting in, you know, 25 hours on a fish, like clearly, you know, if we took all of your prints just that are available right now and kind of took an average of, you know, five to 10 hours per print, you know, for the original, there's a lot of hours of artwork just in what we see. Uh, but knowing that you've been so heavily into your artwork since you were such a young child, um, you know, you, <laughs> you've, you've put in a lot of time behind the colored pencils and in, in, in the uh, black and white or the charcoal pencil. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, too, when somebody asks me, can you draw me something? I hate to say no, but a lot of times people do not realize how much time it takes. Like, I don't know if you ever saw it, but that Amazon drawing I did for a Cory bot or from the auction, like with the angelfish and discus and whatnot. Is it the one that says tropical on the bottom? I think so. Was it, it well, was it Corey the, bought the original? Okay. It was for a fundraiser. Was it back in January? <laughs> oh no, I think that was more than that was like a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. It's like Amazon Research Center. Maybe. I think it might be in his in his live stream area, his live stream little room. Yeah, possibly. Um, no, but that one's pretty big. It's like eleven by fourteen and that drawing took me like 50 hours wow and it got auctioned off for $300 wow that is I feel like they should have <laughs> we should <laughs> that should have gone for more that, that, that's what I'm saying I hate to disappoint people and telling them no I can't do it but if I put in 10 hours into something and somebody's willing to pay me $200 then that's great but if I put 30 hours into something and somebody's still paying me $200 and it's a lot of time I put in. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, and it's not like you're not taking shortcuts and you're not, like you said, you know, you're not um, just producing quick artwork. Like you're putting stuff that's just super, super detailed and just looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. And sometimes people tell me that too. Well, just take half of the time. And I was like, well, if I take half of the time, and I'm not going to be satisfied with it. I'm not going to sign it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're just not. Yeah, you're not. You're not wired that way to take shortcuts. Yeah. So. No, that, that's awesome. And you know, clearly, like, you know, you may not be taking commissions, but people can still, you know, purchase your artwork and hang it up and appreciate it. Just go into your website, and um, you've got awesome black dragon betta. You've got the uh, smoky blue angelfish, the Bosmani rainbow print of an amazing blue poison dart frog hanging out on some leaves. Um, 
super super cool spring bee with some honeycomb in the background a stunning white rhino so you've you've got some decent prints on here well a decent selection that people can pick from um and hopefully we can get this thing figured out for you in terms of uh how to get how to get some printing on demand just shipped out spring tea style to to people yes and i also bought a t-shirt press like a silk screen press oh and everything that goes with it so i will try to make my own shirt with black and white drawings but oh, i nice. never done that before so it might not work <laughs> i don't know I, w- I would have to imagine that give you like one or two throwaway t-shirts and i bet on the third one you've got it nailed yeah i mean i've done that before like with friends like that own a silkscreen shop and whatnot like just helping them out but there's still a lot of a lot of technical stuff behind actually printing shirts. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would burn the shirt too in the uh, in the little oven process that it has to go through. Like I feel like I'd have that setting wrong, and I'd probably burn a good dozen shirts before I figured that out. Yeah, and if it's not hot enough, then it will wash out. If it's too hot, then you <laughs> you destroy it. Mm-hmm. Too, so bad. There's so, a lot to it. So, what's your thought on the shirt artwork? Then would it be kind of your prints? put on t-shirts or would you have a completely different um you know new original artwork that would be more uh t-shirt focused well i probably would try to do stuff like that black and white beta drawing or like those two posters i just recently did and i used that aquashella or gave away at aquashella just like more simple black and white stuff Mm mm-hmm I would totally wear one of those. So, so this is where you're talking about. You did a saltwater one and then a freshwater tropical one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that those ones would for sure look good. Like on the back of the shirt, have that big old tropical, the full artwork, and then something on the chest on the front. Which that's just my t-shirt style. But no, I, that would definitely work, and I would totally rock that. I mean, I could just make it easy and upload it onto Teespring and get it printed that way. But I never go the easy way. So. <laughs> So I ended up buying the silk screen press. Yeah, and and so of of the fish related artwork that you've done, uh, what's been your favorite? Ugh, my favorite. Um, Even though I know you said that you're you don't have any hanging up in your house and you're a bit of a perfectionist, but which one? Like when you were done, you're like, man, this is pretty well, cool. That blue smoky angel fish means a lot because it was the first fish I ever drew. True. Oh, and that's actually one that you sent me too. Yeah, and it's like, and it's my fish too. Oh. It's like my person when he was a juvenile. And then maybe um, Bob Steenfot Mabupoffer drawing is one of my favorites too. Is that the one that's a print on here right now? Ah, uh, should be. Is yeah, that, it's just what is he called? Mabupoffer, little Steen. Or yeah, something. I was gonna say little Steen. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. I did that as a present for him for his 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. Nice. Look at and that. And he didn't know about it, and I just sent it to him. Again, Priscilla's generosity and big heart. So yeah, I mean, cool. I, like, <laughs> I like Bob, and, and he, he wanted me to draw something for him, but he never knew what um, I always ask him, what do you want me to draw? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like Bob is. So I just one day decided I'm just gonna do it. What was uh so as you as you start drawing fish, 
what were some of the initial challenges that you weren't expecting that, you know, as you started drawing these, these creatures, you're like, man, this, this, this component or this aspect of drawing a fish is a heck of a lot more challenging than I had anticipated. Yeah. First I thought like, Oh, fish, that's easy. It's just color and different shapes. And even if you mess up a little bit, I mean, people probably won't notice that much like you do with a, a portrait of a person with face and so much detail in the hair and whatnot. But then I drew one fish that had a lot of scales. <laughs> and that took me much longer than I thought it would. And just the, the lining up of the scales to make it look like, yeah, like the fish. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's <laughs> natural, really right? And it's, not, and it's not super rigid. Yeah. Because as you as yes, you yeah. as you say that, as I'm looking at this black dragon betta, like I'm really focusing on in on the scales, and it's like the way that you have them going from the head back to the tail. There's even curvature. Like it looks like you've got this natural curvature in the fish, and the scales are flowing perfectly with that. Yeah, the scales are kind of weird to draw because it's it's a grid, but then if the fish's body curves, the grid changes. So it's it's kind of weird. It's just another practice thing i guess mm -hmm. so would you say then the the scales are going to be the hardest part what about the fins uh, the fins are usually easy because they're more translucent and it's just a little bit of shading mm -hmm. and they can kind of but, take and, and they is it is it safe to say that because the fins are more you know pliable for lack of a better word that you can you have a little bit more artistic freedom with their positioning versus a scale which is more um much more rigid in its place right yeah, because with the fins, you can just go with the flow, basically. And even if you change a little bit something on the fins or change the color a little bit, it's not going to make that much of a difference. I feel like that was a no pun intended joke. Go with the flow. <laughs> well, yeah, go well, with the flow. Well done, Priscilla. Well done. <laughs> so... Um, Let's go ahead and talk about then. So your your artwork amazing. I can't you know I'm a broken record at this point. I can't um, recommend and I can't you know speak the, the praises on how amazing your artwork is and uh, how much I cherish the personal commission, but then also just the prints um, that you've sent me. And now that I've got the extra backstory on the angelfish one, that one makes it even more special. Um, so exotic aquatics. Um, how long have you been the store manager there, and how did that all happen? Well, so it all started February 1st, which has been, what, now four, almost, yeah, four months, um, five months. <clears throat> so Exotic Aquatics was, um, it's been in business for 30 years already. And the previous owner, he had the store in Boulder in a different location. And then he moved the store three years ago. And he does a lot of um, maintenance business, especially like saltwater maintenance business. And the previous owner, I think he just got to the point where the store and the maintenance was too much. So the new owner, my boss, decided to um, buy the store from him. And that was February 1st. And my boss, his name is Blake. He's a great boss. Um, he's an African cichlid enthusiast. So he's breeding cichlids, and he's keeping a bunch of different African cichlids. He still sells them online, too. 
But um, yeah, he bought the store and I got recommended to him through a mutual friend because he was looking for a store manager. And he called me and we set up an interview. And then two weeks later, he called me back and was like, yeah, you, I want you to be my store manager. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. Let's do it. Wow, that's so awesome. It kind of all just happened in about like a time span of a month. Oh, very basically. cool. So before we talk more about Exotic Aquatics, let's give uh, Blake a little plug here. What's Blake's website? It's um, riftcichlids.com. Riftcichlids.com. All right. So... Uh, Blake riftcichlids.com is the owner of exotic aquatics and I feel like one of the first things you guys need to address is this logo here so if you if Blake is an uh, African cichlid fanatic um, you know you're heavy into into freshwater and exotic aquatics is represented by a saltwater fish on the logo right now yeah we do have saltwater too <laughs> <laughs> so do you now my next question would be do you see yourself changing the the dynamic of the store and um what would you say right now is the the current makeup of the store like 50 percent fresh 50 percent salt or does it lean does it skew heavier one way or the other well last time i counted we have 85 tanks in the store and 20 of them are salt water so definitely but, heavier on the freshwater. Yeah, but then from the freshwater tanks, about 20 of them are African cichlids. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe a quarter of salt water, quarter of um, African cichlids, and then the rest is freshwater in general. And would you say have the have those African cichlid tanks, has that been increasing since you and Blake have taken over and he's kind of got this bias towards African cichlids or is, or is, okay. Because as soon as we take the store over, we basically added a wall of just African cichlids. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And then another cool thing that I saw, so I I haven't seen the, I haven't watched the full in-depth tour of your store, um, but I want to say I caught like you were doing a a quick little live stream on Instagram or something, and you're showing that you guys actually had a a brine shrimp tank. Yeah, we do um, have life adult brine shrimp because a lot of saltwater stuff um, takes a little while to get adjusted to frozen food. Mm -hmm. So we try to have life brand shrimp in the store and customers can buy it as well too for that, their tank that was going to be my next question so yeah is, is that something that's only for store consumption or is that something customers can can buy and i mean that sounds like a really cool offering that you can go in and actually buy some live brine shrimp and not have to hatch your own yeah but the thing is they're adult brine so they're much larger mm-hmm. so not every fish can eat those it's more like larger fish sure sure but there's a lot of uh, decent-sized fish that would love to uh, to have that in a community tank, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Even people that have freshwater tanks buy a scoop every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's purely what I'm thinking in my head. I'm not talking about saltwater people right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's 90% of the saltwater people are actually buying the brine shrimp. Oh, okay. So do you feel like you need to do some, some customer education on, um, you know, getting live, live brine shrimp to like a, a community tank for your freshwater customers? Yeah, because I started taking one scoop home every week too, right when we get it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there there really is something to um, you know kicking in that that kind of predator instinct in your fish by feeding them live food. You know, you can take the easy route and feed the the processed foods, which you know nutritionally nothing wrong with that, or uh, frozen bloodworms, frozen uh, frozen brine shrimp. But uh, if you feed live, like it, it's just it's like there's this extra spark, there's this extra life that comes out in your fish um, that you know I feel like infographics or whatever it is have like that little community outreach to your freshwater customers and you know i feel like everybody should be leaving the store like i would have a hard time going into my store and not taking home a scoop of uh of brine shrimp if it was just ready to roll right. i'm trying to get also black worms Ooh. Now. how's That's that possible. how's that sourcing going are you are you hitting any roadblocks yeah it's kind of difficult with shipping <laughs> okay yeah well because because from what i know um Shipping in the summertime is a problem, right? Because if it gets too hot, they die. And then yeah, but that's the same with the brine shrimp. If they get too hot, it's not good either. But you're hatching the brine shrimp in your store, though. No, we we buy them. Oh, you do. Yeah, and it, it gets delivered once a week. Oh, okay, that's still pretty awesome. But it usually has cold packs and everything with it too. Oh, interesting. So I thought you were gonna. I thought you were hatching those in the store, but they're being delivered. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the thing is, you can't really ship them either because if they don't move, they die. Mm-hmm. But then um, it takes about, I think it's overnight shipping. They ship it to us overnight in like a lot of water with cold packs where it's just okay. Mm-hmm. So, so as the store, uh, as the store manager, is this something where, you know, you can get one of those big giant conical five gallon cones and just start bra- hatching your own brine shrimp in the shop and, you know, cutting out the, the need to, to buy live adult brine? I mean, I could, but I mean, it takes still two weeks for the brine to be adult. So, so not many saltwater fish will get down on baby brine then? Uh, not really, because more most of the saltwater fish are larger. Interesting. Okay, so there's there's a little dynamic there to it, but then yeah. maybe for your freshwater customers though, you could sell them the the smaller. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. Yeah, I mean, we could possibly try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is <laughs> but it is more work though. It is one more thing to do. Where placing an yeah. order and just having a weekly shipment of brine ship show up hatched ready to roll don't get me wrong infinitely easier than hatching your own um you know worrying about sifting and you know separating uh unhatched eggs from hatched eggs from the actual brine shrimp and all of that stuff yeah it's like my my to-do list is already endless and i mean also i gotta say like when we took the store over the store was in really bad shape Mm -hmm. like like there was a lot of work that needed to be put in like there was a lot of tanks that weren't working properly because on all the freshwater tanks we run under gravel filters and they just needed a lot of maintenance and like there's a lot of stands that needed to be fixed because they're welded stands and just like the lights have all been daisy chained together like I had a few moments like where stuff started sparking and i was like oh, i'll run <laughs> oh nice that, that's only supposed to happen on the fourth of july and that's your fireworks sale yeah and then like we have a couple of big salt water tanks that have really shallow sump so if the power goes out the whole store's gonna flood and there's just like a lot of little things that still need to be done just in order to get the store to the point where Blake's satisfied with it and I'm satisfied with it and I'll never be satisfied with it because I'm a perfectionist 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. A lot of work for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I work with a guy named Corey, and uh, he's a little bit of a perfectionist too. So I can definitely appreciate that. But but at the end of the day, though, it's you know you are going to produce um, you're going to produce a store that is going to be uh, on par with your artwork, and it's going to be an awesome place for people in Boulder to go and buy fish. I have no doubt. Like if you put if you put the effort and the level of perfection that you demand from your artwork into this fish store, it's it probably already is and is going to be just an amazing place to buy fish from. Oh yeah, we're, we're trying to keep the legacy from the old owner, but then you also get to take into consideration the old owner. He's done that. He's done it for thirty years, right? And he, like, his high time was like in the early nineties. So everything, like, he would buy livestock for the store, is what was popular in the early nineties which isn't really popular nowadays sure, anymore. Sure, So it's, for us, it's still about, we still have to figure out what kind of stuff we want to bring in the store, what kind of stuff we don't want to bring in the store. Like the first thing we got rid of was feeder fish and just things like that. I mean, Blake loves Africans. I love puffer fish i mean if it was me the whole store was full of puffer fish right that would be awesome <laughs> that, did you did you see that did you see the hairy puffer that we had in yeah oh, yeah my i saw goodness. jimmy's video about it too the dude that thing like i seriously am a little sad that i didn't buy it <laughs> like i'm yeah. i'm so happy it went to a customer and you know she 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 bought him within the first i don't know day or two he was on the floor but you know just from a distance because it was behind it was in the the row of tanks that's behind our, our register our little register island if you will and you just see this fish like just being super active and i'm like what what is going on over there and it's you know the nick that was working in the shop i think that day is like oh that's that's the new harry puffer we got like, isn't that guy like an ambush fish? Shouldn't he be hanging out low, like chilling out? But no, this guy was super active and it wasn't like this frantic stress active. He was just, he was just an active fish and had personality. And, you know, I snapped a picture of him, put him on Instagram. Jimmy took the, you know, Jimmy took photos and, and put a video up and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of sad to see that fish go, you know, with us only having it for a couple days. Oh yeah. That, that's always the thing. Every time we get saltwater puffers like especially the larger ones porcupines and i start like building a connection up feeding them hand feeding them and whatnot <laughs> i'm like sad every time they get sold but i'm also happy if they go to a great home so yeah yeah no it's just one of the it's one of the things of this hobby like you get to you get to experience um or at least in, in the hobby and being on the retail side you get to have this wide collection of fish that you can kind of call your own but it's a very transient ownership and you know they're eventually going to go on and move to somebody else um and you may not be able to get that fish like there's the uh Kampacha Mali. we had a trio come in from one of our distributors and i'd asked robert i'm like what what fish is that because the male was just this amazing amazing blue iridescent and it had a um, like an amazing orange fin on it the females were a little bit more dull but this male was just fantastic and it was a naturally occurring fish and it's like oh that's a compache you know molly or um yeah it was, it was a molly not a platy um and I was just really, you know, I was really in love with that fish. And I wish I would have took that trio home and worked on a breeding project and just, you know, try to try to produce um, and have a consistent supply of those. Because I, I don't I'm not necessarily sure that it went to a customer that 
Um, maybe they just put it in a community tank, which is which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't seen it on our fish list since that time, and it's probably been a couple months now. So I'm a little sad. Um, and I've checked Aquabit, and I've checked um, other sources for this particular molly, and unfortunately, it hasn't come back up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that just you know that that's just it, it, it comes with the turf. You, you know, you can have you can have a good collection at home, but it's never going to rival the number of tanks that you have at the store, right? Right, and that's kind of thing too if you look at those lists there's so many options there right what you can get you're uh, you're you're spending half your day just doing google image like if you're not familiar with the fish you're like what is that what is that and i know for robert like that's that's such a huge uh but benefit for him this kind of built-in benefit of him being the the store manager the general manager and being able to to bring the fish in and uh bringing in fish that he that he's never seen before on the list and he's like oh man i've never seen that puffer or i've never seen that tetra gets it in we get to do an unboxing and you know get to share it with the world and um you know just introduce this this kind of more obscure species to the hobby oh yeah that, that's my favorite part too of the job i mean yesterday i spent like three hours placing a plant order <laughs> oh nice <laughs> so, just stuff like that i was like I, I love to look through the list to see what's out there and what we can get and the thing is the previous owner because he did so much maintenance there was a lot used parts in our store like fluval canister parts and used equipment and everything and we changed this whole dry good area we like started adding hardscape materials tanks substrate like everything you basically need to set up a tank because we do have a fair amount of space for the dry goods mm-hmm. so it- it's for it takes it just took like almost well we're still working on it it took us but three months just to put everything together to the way we would like yeah, and and I think a really important distinction um, to to redraw out for the audience is that you know there there's respect for the previous owner and what he's done and just the legacy that he's leaving behind with this store, but there's also a very harsh reality in this industry that we are dealing with an e-commerce landscape. We're dealing with um, just something that is completely unprecedented in the hobby, and each individual store that's either currently open or wants to open has to um, do something to leave a mark or has to do something to adapt to the marketplace that we have now. And, and so what worked 30 years ago, you know, in this hobby is probably not going to work today. And so I no, think the changes uh, that you're making, it's not, you know, like, hey, I'm just going to come in and be a bull in a china shop and wreck house. It's, you know, these are things to make the store profitable to make it a place it continue to be profitable make it a place that people are going to get healthy fish um, they're going to get the dry goods that they need we're not going to carry unnecessary product and really have a, a ballooned inventory cost and just being really really streamlined because you have to compete and you you have to compete with online retailers like amazon which are just this you know i used to work at amazon um, it's just this gigantic you know, entity that is just so easy to buy from. And the prices are just so low that you have to be able to compete on things other than price. Um, and, you know, you can't have every skew under the sun. And, you know, there's just decisions that you have to make. And there's things you have to do for your fish business um, to remain profitable and to stay open and to serve your community. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad that my boss, Blake, sees it the same way I do, basically. And we just are basically on the same on the same mutual agreement with wanting to make this successful 
but it's a process. It's a slow process for yeah. sure. It takes it takes time. It takes money. It takes passion and dedication. And but we do want to get at some point to a point where we also will start shipping dry goods and whatnot. But just to get to that process, it's probably not going to be for at least a half year. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you got you got to make sure everything's good at home first, and then you can start expanding outward, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so unique about this hobby, too, is that um, as a consumer, you know, people listening to this and and just hobbyists in general, we have to be um, very hesitant when we buy from from Amazon for our goods. And I'll continue to pick on Amazon. Um, They don't sell fish. They never will sell fish. So if you continue, yeah. if you continue to give your dollars to an entity like Amazon for your dry goods or your liquids, whatever it may be, um, you are you're hurting the businesses that do offer you fish, that do offer you advice, that do offer you expertise in this hobby. Like I, I think that you know we are different. I know in many facets of life we always want to think that we're different than everybody else, but I truly think that we are different in the tropical fish hobby, and we need places that actually sell fish. And you can't, you know, you can't just rely on you know two or three online outlets to buy your livestock from because from my experiences, like the big big names out there where you actually can go online and buy fish, um, it can be a bit of a sketchy experience. Um, you don't always get what you see, um, or what you see is not always what you get. Um, so, you know, if, if you're going to buy a sponge filter, you're going to buy a food online at Amazon and it's like a buck more at your local fish store, or it's a buck more on a website where they actually have a YouTube channel and a retail store or what, whoever it is, but they're actually somebody that's active in the hobby. You know, my PSA would be, maybe you spend that dollar there and maybe you don't spend it at Amazon. Yeah, that's why it's so important to us that we just have that stuff in stock. But just to figure out what you need to have in stock and whatnot, I mean, that's that's a whole other magic formula. There, right there, there. there is for sure, there's for sure a, a dangerous rabbit hole, a slippery slope of you know carrying every skew under the sun. I've gone into a couple stores, you know, in 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 the past year where it's like they've got every single skew from every single manufacturer um it's just this unbelievable selection and it's like how are how are you even dealing with shelf life like i there there's no way you're getting enough volume just through this brick and mortar location to turn all of these different foods that you have you've got like 17 different algae wafers in like 10 different size packs in different diameters like that's insane like you, <laughs> you should probably cut that selection down, but yeah, and that that's how it was before. There was just random stuff. Like there, it wasn't like consistent. And now we're at the point where we're like, all right, we got our fish foods, we got our top four, and that's it. Or like filters, we have two filters or different brands we like, we believe in. I mean, and if it, especially if it's something you believe in yourself, then the customer is much more happier too at the end because they know that's something you use you recommend to them and all that stuff yep completely agree with you what has been uh what's been something surprising that you didn't expect um coming into a store manager role well sometimes people have really funny questions (laughs) (laughs) give me some give me some good funny questions like the other day like a few days ago, I had somebody call the store and be ask us if we had lionfish. 
And I was like, no, we don't have any right now, but we can order them next salt water order around. And she was like, she was ready to bust out her credit card, basically. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to look to see how much the fish going to cost. I don't know how much they're going to cost and all that stuff. And I talked to her about it for at least 20 minutes on the phone. And then before she hung up, she asked me, those are salt water, right? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> because she, she was ready to pay for it without really knowing what she's going to get. And there's a lot of customers that are like that. And they come in and they just want to buy it and get out. And then if you start talking about it, then they start changing their mind and maybe end up buying something different and are going to be much, much happier because they took your advice. Yeah. I was going to say, hopefully, hopefully it's something different for the better, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's just like sometimes you want to sell something, but you don't want to hurt people's feelings either. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, so it's kind of it, like a fine line to walk right there. Well, and if they, you know, there, it, it's, it's a couple points too. One is that if they have a bad experience that may drive them from the hobby. Like if it's a, if it's a, um, you know, negative enough experience or distressful enough experience, they may, they may completely quit the hobby altogether. Um, and the lesser, the lesser one would be that, you know, they stay in the hobby, but they feel like you sold them a bad fish or you sold them a product that was faulty or you gave them bad advice. Um, and then, you know, they, they become jaded. They leave you a bad Yelp review and they never shop at your store again. Um, even though it's completely not your fault, like you just never had the opportunity to actually help educate them and walk them through their, their decision that they want to make. Yeah. And there's nothing better than a customer that came in because his fish were sick you told him what to do, you gave him the medicine he needed, and then he comes back a week later and he goes like, hey, thank you so much, you saved my fish. Or a customer you sell something to and they're so happy and satisfied with it that they are returning customers. So that's like the great part of the job. Yeah, that's... Like just having happy people. Yeah, no, I mean, being able to help people and, you know, help them to be successful in this hobby is, that's phenomenal. I, I was talking about that again with Robert and, you know, that's just something where if he can help new people, he can help people with a sick fish, um, he can help an experienced Aquarius work through something, you know, that that's a huge, that's a huge uh, positive for him, you know, working in this, working in this industry and working uh, to support the hobby. Yeah, but then you also have the people that walk into a fish store that think they know everything, right? And they make a bad decision and you just can't can't stop them from doing a bad decision, basically. Yeah, that's that's a danger too, right? Like, hey, I've I've been doing this for twenty years. What are you talking about? I know I know what I'm doing. Yes. And then it goes south. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like as I say, it's a fine line to walk. Majority of the customers, they they are happy, they're coming back and all that stuff, so Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, Priscilla, it sounds like the Boulder, Colorado area has just, you know, is going to have and has an awesome fish store in exotic aquatics. Um, do you have any of your artwork up in the store yet? Tell me you do. No. Oh, you need to get some of your artwork up there. Oh, my goodness. We need to talk I to Blake. Know. We need to tell him. Priscilla needs an entire wall dedicated to her artwork where customers can look at it, appreciate it, and then even buy it and take it home. Like that's. Yeah, well, I brought up print i framed i didn't like well like like i said i can't look at my own art so i just brought it to the store <laughs> uh -huh. 
kind of hung it up in the store. But I haven't really thought about yet selling prints in the store, which I would have to figure out a rack situation or something, a display situation and all that stuff, which still on my to-do list. But <laughs> That to-do list is endless. I feel like that would be just one more really cool thing for your store to have is just this, you know, neat rack or, or art wall um, of your artwork. And actually, um, so if you've seen the videos of Ocean Aquarium in San Francisco, I went there with Zenzo and the owner, Justin, um, he actually has all of these like canvas uh, cabinets prints around uh, around the store so this is the one where um, like he's he's using like the, the giant co2 canister and he's filling up a, a cut in half uh, two liter soda bottle do you remember that store that uh, Corey's put up on his YouTube channel and Zenzo's done oh, yeah, tour videos? Yeah. So it's that store. And Justin's got all of these super cool um, canvas paintings that he's done. I bought one that was, I don't know, maybe like a eight by 10 or maybe a little bit smaller than that, but it's a, a photo of, or it's completely black background with two Pseudomoga Illuminatus kind of flared out, male, female. Absolutely love that painting. And I knew it was something I had to take with me. And, you know, sure enough, it fit in the carry on. So no worries there. Um, but yeah, I think having that artwork was just one extra thing that people wouldn't expect, but I think people would appreciate for viewing. And then, you know, there'd be a subset of that that would even want to inquire and buy some of that. So yeah, I should figure figure out how to incorporate that into the store, which just I should ask Jimmy for some pictures too. I can hang up in the store because I love his his pictures. Oh, I think people would go absolutely nuts for for <gasps> Jimmy's prints too. I mean, if if it was some of your paintings, some of Jimmy's paintings, and you get some of Sam's skill, Sam's artwork in your store, oh man, that would be that'd be like a fish art gallery plus fish store. Yeah, because I don't know how it would feel if just my art would be here. It just wouldn't feel good. <laughs> so I probably would try to get some other artists' art. I'd, I'd be okay with that. But if you made it like a gallery collection of other artwork, oh my goodness, that would be over the top. Right. Yeah, so but, Boulder, you guys are going to have it going on with Exotic Aquatics. Especially Boulder is a pretty creative town too, so... I feel like I need to get on a plane now and come check out uh, come check out in Boulder. I feel like Colorado is still one of the states that's on my list I haven't gone to yet. I mean, Boulder is almost in the mountains too, so. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty liberal, hip town when it comes down to it. Oh yeah. So lots of uh, lots of artwork everywhere, then, right? Yeah, just a lot of creative people. Nice, very cool. You can tell people walking around with the way they're dressed and all that stuff that they are creative <laughs> nice <laughs> good times all right priscilla well well thank you so much for coming on and you know again i i don't care i'm a broken record your artwork is phenomenal uh people need to check you out at uh priscilla go to your website priscilla mkart.com um I'll link your Facebook page, your uh, shop page. I'll also link Exotic Aquatics uh, Facebook page on there as well and your YouTube channel. Um, you are a, such a super awesome, generous person. You and your husband are both amazing people. Um, I really, really enjoyed all my interactions that I've had with you guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so glad to finally have you on. Share share who Priscilla is with my audience. Um, and hopefully you get some more fans. Hopefully you get some more um, admirers of the awesome artwork that you're doing. And, you know, maybe somebody in the Boulder Colorado area didn't know about exotic aquatics and you know now they're going to go in and check you out and uh, fall in love with uh, with a great fish store that would be awesome well thank you for having me and thanks for all the love on the art I appreciate it <laughs> well it, do, and, um, it, it doesn't suck so it's real easy to give you love on it I can tell you that much 
I'll definitely send you that rainbow fish print. Oh, you're too kind, Priscilla. All right, well, thank you very much, and you have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you.